Locked on Buckeyes podcast for November the 14th. Your only daily Ohio State podcast in the rotation out there on the interwebs. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. Today, a couple things I want to get into. Chase Young is back after a week of speculation, anticipation, etc., 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 actually less than. It is official. It is confirmed. Ohio State will have Chase Young back, not this week for Rutgers, but next week against Penn State for that huge showdown in the shoe. I'll talk about that. Also coming up today, a huge, huge win for Ohio State basketball, who looked very impressive, wiping out the number 10 team in the country, Villanova, in Columbus last night, 76-51. I'll give my thoughts, observations, opinions, and analysis on what I saw from this Buckeye team who led from start to finish. Can you... Get really excited about this game? Absolutely. How excited should you be? I'll talk about that coming up in the second segment. And in the third segment, a little bit of a smorgasbord. We'll talk more about Chase Young. Who was the snitch? I'll give my thoughts on that. And does it even matter? Also, Joe Klatt with an observation that I am shouting, heck yes, from the rafters uh, about the college football playoff committee and its structure. I'll explain that in the third segment. Locked on Buckeyes is sponsored by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. We're also here from support from GoBus. GoBus has over 40 stops across Ohio with popular destinations like the Hocking Hills, Mohican State Park, and Ohio's big cities. Check them out at ridegobus.com or call them 888-95-95. Go bus. As I mentioned, Locked on Buckeyes is your daily Ohio State Buckeyes beat. Find and follow Locked on Buckeyes on any of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or by saying, play the Locked on Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8, and the show is on Twitter at Locked on Buckeyes singular. He's back. The man, the myth, the legend, the predator Chase Young has been reinstated with the caveat he has to sit this weekend against Rutgers. But it is a big, big get for Ohio State to learn that Young will be back on the field this 2019 season. Look, I can't overstate this enough. It's it's great to see that Chase Young was able to get out of this without a severe punishment. I know... There are plenty of people that are still unhappy the fact that he had to sit out any games whatsoever. But just take the small victory. In the end, when it all is said and done, you will only look back at this as an ast- a very small, tiny asterisk to the 2019 season. Ohio State did not need him to beat Maryland, nor will they need him to beat Rutgers this weekend. If they do then Ohio State had bigger issues than Chase Young sitting out anyhow. So take the victory. Be happy that it was only two games. I know this is confusing. This whole thing is a mess. I'm still told maybe not everything was as it seems, but whatever really happened, we may not never know. We may not know why this came to light. And I'll talk about that in the third segment, the whole who is the snitch. I'm curious like the rest of you, I'm not sure who did it. 
I have my thoughts. I'll talk more about that. Does it even really matter? Probably not. But Ohio State didn't need him. I'm not crazy about the fact that he had sit, to sit out, but this could have been a lot worse. Some would argue it should have been a lot worse. I, I Like I said, the, the details at this point, we're probably not going to learn them. Ohio State did not share them on Wednesday in their press conference. They only explained the process. All we know is that this came to a light with anonymous letter on October 27th after Chase brutalized, battered, and beat the Wisconsin Badgers to death. Somebody decided to tattle. I'm not sure who. I'm not sure why. Again, that speaks to motivation. There are plenty of people that probably have it, but who actually did it, who knows. But either way, whether you sit on the side of, I just wanted to see Chase Young back at Ohio State, or whether you actually care that these athletes should not be punished for taking a loan or even a gift from people because of their likeness, because of their popularity, wherever you sit on that spectrum, you've got to be happy that Chase Young is back. And now Ohio State has a legit chance to make a run for the next portion of their season. We're talking Big Ten titles, potential college football playoff. Now, I think actually Ohio State is good enough and talented enough that even if Chase Young were never reinstated for this season, I actually think that they'd still have a shot at winning national title. They're that good. They're that deep and balanced. They're the best team in college football right now. And it's kind of irritating me because I don't think enough people are paying attention You don't have to be a huge analytics nerd like I am to appreciate what the stats and numbers say about this team. They are historically dominant. You see see me on Twitter every week after Ohio State plays a football game, and you hear me five days a week here on Lockdown Buckeyes, and you hear me on Unscripted Ohio. You know what I say about this team. I'm constantly telling absurd numbers that encapsulate how good this Ohio State team is. They are, in my opinion, the best Ohio State team I have ever seen. At least, they're the best team that I have ever seen in my lifetime. 98 was the high-water mark for me. I thought Ohio State in 1998 was the best team I had seen. 2015 should have been. It never turned out that way. They just didn't ever play to their, their potential. They should have been one of the best teams we've ever seen in Ohio State, but didn't end up that way. 1998 was, I think, the most balanced and deepest team we had seen previously. But this team is blowing that out of the water. And I, I, I'm I, not going to get back to the LSU-Ohio State argument, best versus most deserving. And I again, I'm, I'm trying not to be too annoyed at LSU because I, I don't disagree they're most deserving. But... This shouldn't be a conversation. If you look, if you see the strength profiles, if you see the analytics, the, the power ratings, they've got the highest Sagarin mark ever. They've got the highest FPR FPI mark ever. They've got the highest SRS, which is the simple rating system over on College Football Reference. They've got the highest mark in that since 1975, when the NCAA scholarship limits went into effect. Folks, this is not just uh, some Ohio State podcaster saying, oh, look at this Ohio State team. This is the greatest ever because you're listening to my podcast, so I'm going to 
I'm going to feed you a line of bull. No, <laughs> this is what analytical objective numbers say. This Ohio State team is really good. So I'm, I'm kind of tired of, of people not getting it. Like, what, what do you have to do if you're Ohio State? Do you have to beat them by an average of 60 a game instead of only 48 a game? I'm just not sure what else you do. Ohio State is blowing out a decent schedule. Not great opponents, but they're blowing out a decent schedule. Rutgers is the exception. Rutgers is not decent at all. Ohio State is going to do naughty things that should probably be illegal in the lower 48 states. And they're going to get away with it, fortunately. But it's not going to be pretty this weekend. Rutgers has not scored more than 16 points against a power conference team this year. They have not given up fewer than 30. They beat Boston College 30-16. to They also allowed 30 to Iowa. So I, I can't really grasp how high of a score this could actually get. Not just because of the starters, but because how good Ohio State's backups are. This could wind up being really, really ugly. Maybe one of the most lopsided scores we've ever seen at Ohio State. Maybe. I'm not ready to go that far just yet, but could it be worse than 73-14? to 14? Yeah, I think it could. It could be worse than a 59-point margin. So this, this team is really good. Chase Young is back for Ohio State. I think you're going to see him play as well and motivated as possible in those last two games. And I'm not getting ahead. I'm really not. Penn State and Michigan are good teams. I'm not going to do the thing where I'm just going to assume it's going to be a blowout because I don't know that. But just my opinion, my hunch, my gut instinct here, I think this team means business, and I really think they're in for something special. I think they're going to at least get to the playoff, and who knows what's going to happen from there. But Chase Young is back. That's the news you wanted to hear. That's where we're at. Hopefully people will start waking up and, and giving the respect. I don't want to do the Rod, Rodney Dangerfield thing. I don't want to do the, the Lou Holtz thing where you're playing up everybody. There are a lot of ways you can go with this, but bottom line, it's just I hope people start to start to see it start to appreciate it. If nothing else, if you're an Ohio State fan watching this season, watch it play out. Just enjoy it because it truly is a special run. Coming up next segment, Ohio State basketball. Huge, huge win over a top 10 Villanova team Wednesday night in Columbus. I'll give you my thoughts on that. I was there to see it live and Boy, I, I came away with a lot of uh, a lot of impressions. We'll go over that here in the second segment of Lock On Buckeyes. Wednesday night, Ohio State basketball completed a wire to wire dismantling of Villanova, the number ten team in the country. Ohio State entered the game number sixteen. That's surely to change in the next poll. Ohio State could jump, uh, who knows, two, three, four, maybe even five or six spots in the next AP poll. They put on a statement. They got up 19-3 in that game. Were up by 18 at halftime after a 9-0 Villanova run, but it never really got closer in the second half as Ohio State cruised to a 76-51 win. I was at the game in person, and this is the third time now I've had the opportunity to see DJ Carton in person, and he blows me away. Every time I see him, he is something special, folks. This this basketball team is really good. Now, when I discuss this game and recap this game, 
I'm going to do both extremes. I'm going to be slow down guy. And I'm also going to be get hype guy. Because there are two approaches to look at this game. First and foremost, the team you saw Ohio State beat Villanova, that's going to be a really good basketball team. They are very long. They're very athletic. They're physical. They're very talented. They're a little bit different than some of the Villanova teams. I talked about this previewing the game the last few days. They're not the three-guard lineup and, and you know, surround the floor and shoot it type, although they did, they have taken a lot of three-point attempts in their first two games so far. So they, they do like to shoot. That part has not changed. But they're bigger, longer, and more athletic than some of the teams they've had the last few years, even the ones that won the title. So a little bit different makeup for them. But that team, don't get me wrong, Ohio State just blew the doors off of Villanova. Villanova wasn't making shots. But that is a really good team that Ohio State beat. You also have to take the other side that Ohio State just had a truly remarkable start to this game. Dwayne Washington. I've been picking on Dwayne a little bit the last two weeks. And some of it is because he is talented and you should have higher expectations for him than how he has performed. He has the ability to be an instant offense type of guy. He has probably the best pure shot of any player at Ohio State. Shoot as far as just ability to to go up quick with it, a quick release, good form, the ability to hit from distance. He's probably the best pure shooter that Ohio State has. He has some explosiveness. He's, he's got some ability to get to the rim. He's not very good at the decision-making aspect just, just yet of when to go and when to hold back. And he makes some really sloppy passes. So he has deserved a little bit of criticism, but that's because I think Ohio State fans should have high expectations for him. And this is the kind of game where he got up going right away. And it caused some poor decision-making because he had the heat check thing going on. But because he got out and hit those shots right away, had 11 points in the first couple minutes of the game, it got the crowd fired up, it got Ohio State fired up, and it really allowed Ohio State to just blow Villanova out of the water. Before they knew what hit them, this game was over. Now you have to take this into account, okay? This game is going to be really, really good for the resume, really good for the profile when the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee starts to convene at the end of the year. Ohio State will already have wins against Cincinnati and Villanova to start off. They've got plenty of opportunity for more wins. 20 Big Ten games coming up. Games at North Carolina, Kentucky on a neutral floor, West Virginia on a neutral floor. The wins will be there for Ohio State. And when you look at this game, it's going to seem like a mirage later in the year because it'll happen so long ago. And you're going to be like, how did Ohio State win by that much over this Villanova team? Because this Villanova team will be a lot better. But the reason I'm kind of saying slow down as well as get hyped is because you got to slow down because Ohio State's not 26 points better than this Villanova team. They caught Villanova on an off night. Some of that was Ohio State's doing with the quick start and the shots going in and the shots falling, the shots falling like that. That's not always going to happen with this Ohio State team. But when it does look out, because this Ohio State team is really good defensively, they're athletic, they're deep. Remember, they have two of their best defensive forwards out in this game with Musa Jallo out indefinitely and Andre Russell out for a couple weeks with the eye socket injury. But 
Next man up for Ohio State, Alonzo Gaffney played pretty well, all things considered. E.J. Lydell, really, really skilled. We knew he, he was going to come in as a rebounder, a defender, a guy that could score in the low block. But he's turned out to be even more skilled than I thought he would be. I really appreciate his skill. He made a big three-pointer as the shot clock was winding down. He's got better form, more athleticism than I gave him credit for. So, on one hand, don't get carried away with this win because Villanova is a lot better than that, and Ohio State did make them look worse than they are, but at the same time, Ohio State just got out to that huge, ridiculous lead. That's not really normal. So I, I don't want you getting carried away with the win too much. I think that out of the start that they had against Cincinnati, which was really bad, and the start that they had against Villanova, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. They're not 26 better than Villan- 26 points better than Villanova, but they might be six or eight points more or better than Cincinnati than the final margin indicated. So they're somewhere in the middle there. But at the same time, now I had this conversation on Twitter. Somebody, I retweeted Jeff Goodman about this team's potential being potentially a Final Four team, and somebody said slow down. I'm kind of taking the middle approach, but I will say it is fair to look at this team in a vacuum, and just say, yeah, that team is really talented. I did this with Justin Fields after, I think, two games into the season this year. I said, I know it's early, but I'm watching Justin Fields, and I know what I'm seeing, and that is potentially the most talented quarterback Ohio State has ever had. I said that after two games. I had no reservation, and and I don't regret saying that. And now we're nine games into the season, And I'm not seeing anybody disagree. Justin Fields probably is the most talented player at Ohio State. It's pretty obvious. You look at his numbers. As a true sophomore, he's already catching up with where Dwayne Haskins was this time of last year. So I'm looking at this basketball team, and it's not my first rodeo. And I, I can't say that I can predict exactly how good this Ohio State team will be. There's a lot of season left. That person that I was discussing this with is right. It is only three games. I'm not trying to make a prognostication. I'm not saying Ohio State is winning a title. not saying that they're going to the Final Four. I'm not saying that they're even winning the Big Ten title. But I am watching a team that is very, very talented. And although, yes, I am warning people at the same time to say, you know, just slow down a little bit. Don't get carried away with what this team is going to be. But it's okay to look at this potential because Ohio State has two really good point guards. They've got a freshman that is just an absolute stud, one of the most talented point guards I've seen at Ohio State. He's right up there. I think in terms of potential, he's up there in the conversation with a Conley or a D'Angelo Russell, an Aaron Kraft. You go back, Mark Baker, Scooney Penn. There's so many great point guards that Ohio State has had in the past. And DJ Carton is up there. But the, the great thing about this is he's in a situation he's not going to be asked to do too much. You add in C.J. Walker, who is really a steadying presence. I love Walker and Carton on the floor at the same time. Ohio State is going to be a really good team in tight situations by having those two team two on the floor together. It allows to take some of the pressure off of Carton, not have him do too much, and plus... Some of the more physical teams in the Big Ten that are going to try to body him up and physical, be physical with him, it allows Ohio State to avoid the potential freshman wall that you sometimes see with young guards. If they're asked to do too much, teams get physical with them, they can wear down a little bit. 
having C.J. Walker there in the rotation and sometimes on the floor together, that's going to be a huge asset for Ohio State. Second thing I love about this team is Caleb Wesson. Chris Holtman made a big deal about this in the postgame after, after the game on Wednesday. Caleb Wesson, that may have been the best game he has played at Ohio State. You won't know it from the stat line, 10 points, eight, or 10 reba- or 10 points and 8 rebounds. But I was thinking the same thing watching there, there in the stands. Caleb Wesson looks so good all around. My concern that I expressed earlier in the week and last week was I just hope he doesn't get too in love with the three-point shot because that's a big asset for him. But Ohio State needs to play through him in the post and get the offense going. And he is doing so much right now. His screening, ladies and gentlemen, through three games is the best I've seen an Ohio State big screen in a long, long time. His screen, watch, watch the next game against Stetson Monday night. Monday night. Focus on him with ball screens and and cross screens. Some of the stuff they have him doing at the top of the key. Watch closely when he goes to set screens, especially on dribble handoffs. He is so impeccably good at it. He didn't have a single foul on Wednesday against Villanova, who has three forwards in the starting lineup of 6'8 or 6'9. Big, long, rangy guys, athletes, kind of players that he would struggle with last year. He didn't have a single foul against him. He had a career-high four blocks and impacted so many other shots beyond that. Caleb Wesson is playing really good basketball on both sides of the ball. Again, no fouls, four blocks, 10 points, eight rebounds. He's doing it all. And I look at EJ Lidell, as I mentioned, I undersold his athleticism and his skill level. I knew he was a really physical player, a talented player, a guy that would come in and make plays for Ohio State immediately. But he has he's already showing flashes of doing a lot more beyond that. Alonzo Gaffney, we knew he's an athlete. He's got to continue to improve his defensive awareness. He's a little bit behind the eight ball in that. But his, his physical talent, he's already shown the ability to make plays for Ohio State. So you get Justin Ahrens, who's banged up with his back right now. You get Andre Wesson back, who's a really versatile defender. Hopefully later this season they get Musa Jallo back, rebounder, defender. All these glue guys coming together, as long as Luther Muhammad and Dwayne Washington and some of those guys can continue to make shots, then folks, I don't mind telling you that this is potentially a Final Four team. It's not too early to see that. I've watched a lot of basketball. I'm not, you know, I'm not always right about this. We, we all have opinions, and sometimes we're wrong, sometimes we're right. I don't know what Ohio State's going to turn out to be, but I will tell you this. If you are not watching basketball yet, or even if you are watching basketball, be excited about this team because the depth and talent and potential is most definitely there. So when Jeff Goodman says this has got a chance to be a Final Four team, he's not wrong. He's not premature. Watch this team. They absolutely have the personnel and the talent to be a Final Four team. They've got the makeup. They've got the point guards, they've got the playmakers, they've got a dominant big man, and they play defense. If you were to list all the things you want to see in a college basketball team to have a chance at making a run in March, they've got it. They, they check every box. I think Michigan, Michigan State, I should say, Michigan State and I think Maryland are the two contenders for Big Ten. But from what I've seen in the early Big Ten, and by the way, it is a down Big Ten from what I've seen so far, the Big Ten is not 
starting the year off very well. But from what I've seen of this league so far, I, I got to say, I, I think Ohio State is as good of a team in this league through three games. That's a premature statement. That's just going off of three games, small sample size. But Ohio State, I think, will be there in contention among the, t- the best teams the league has to offer come March. So, hey, Ohio State basketball, 76-51 win over Villanova. This is a good first couple of games for Ohio State. They've got Cincinnati-Villanova off their schedule already with two big wins that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee will value in March. Now they've got a couple of weeks to continue to refine themselves, get better before that huge Chapel Hill showdown going on the road for the ACC Challenge later this month. Plenty of time now for Ohio State to continue. Jump on the basketball bandwagon. It's going to be a fun ride. I promise you that. Coming up in the third segment, more Ohio State football. Do I think that the snitch really matters? And also college football playoff. Joel Klatt makes a great point that I agree with on this selection committee. And one of the many reasons I say we have to change the process and allow for a better buffer zone. That coming up in the third segment on Lock on Buckeyes. Just a, a couple things I want to hit on here in the in the final segment. First, uh, real quick, so about this Chase Young snitch thing, I know there are kind of two schools of thought. Ohio State shot them both down publicly. Gene Smith speaking, speaking in his press conference Wednesday evening said that it was not Maryland, it was not Penn State, it was not anyone from the Big Ten. But he also said that they didn't know who the snitch was because they said they received an anonymous letter on October 27th after the Ohio State win over Wisconsin, and that is what caused them to chase this lead down and investigate and eventually affirm that Chase Young had violated NCAA rules. But by saying he doesn't know where the letter came from, then he can't rule it out being Maryland or Penn State or somebody from the Big Ten. To me, this has to be somebody with either personal ties. Well, A, probably would have to have personal ties, would have to have inside knowledge of what happened with Chase Young, and B, would have to have motivation to rat out Ohio State. So to me, it probably is somebody from the Big Ten. I know there is a report out there from, I I believe this originated from Zach Smith on the Minnesota Society podcast saying it may have been James Franklin. I do not believe that is the case. It's not that I think Zach is wrong or certainly don't believe he's making anything up. Obviously, I'm sure he's got his sources for saying that. But I don't believe it's James Franklin, A, because his sources, he claims, are high school coaches in the area. To me, that would scream of having motivation to protect Maryland. Second of all, the timing doesn't add up because if you're James Franklin and you're going to rat out Ohio State, why do it through a letter on October 27th, why not wait at least another game until after Maryland has been played? If you know the NCAA guideline is four games, you also know that very, very rarely is the guideline actually wind up being the punishment. In this case, Chase Young had it down to two games instead of four games. You have to anticipate that being a possibility. So if you truly are James Franklin trying to cause trouble for Ohio State, Ideally, you don't want Chase Young playing against your team, Penn State. So if hypothetically it were James Franklin, this would be a hideous miscalculation. I don't know that James Franklin is or isn't petty enough to do something like this. But I am going to give him a little bit more credit than that. 
I would think he would not horribly miscalculate if he were trying to do that to Ohio State. I would think he would have the intelligence to be a little smarter and more calculated in his vindictiveness. Wait until after the Maryland game before you turn in Chase Young, and then you're close enough to the Penn State game that it's likely he might sit out a couple games and he wouldn't play against your team. So I don't think it is James Franklin. I don't even know if it is Maryland, but I will say this. It seems that Ohio State is of the belief it may be Maryland that has done it. I I know Maryland kind of put out a little bit of a statement to the media that they were upset that Gus and Joel on the Fox broadcast intimated that it could be Maryland that did this. They kind of, you know, gave the, woe is us, we would never do that reaction. Uh, look, Ohio State's not going to come out and name names. Ohio State's not going to point fingers publicly. Obviously, Gene Smith did not do that. Ryan Day has resisted the urge to do that. But if you look at who has the most to gain here, if we're going to point fingers, it probably doesn't matter. We'll probably never have confirmation. But it sure feels like somebody that would know Chase Young, somebody that has a personal connection to Chase Young, given his area where he came, his background, where he came from, I don't know. Maryland makes the most sense. But at the end of the day, we don't know for sure. I'm only discussing it because it's already out there, public consumption. Why not give my own opinion about it? So, hey, last thing before we go. You know, Joel, Joel Klatt has hit on this. I've been giving my own irritation and frustration with the college football playoff process, the whole best versus deserving argument. But Joel really hit the nail on the head in a video this past week that, again, this is why I love Klatt. Even if you don't agree with all of his opinions, and nobody does, you know, we're, we're never going to agree eye to eye on everything. That's just human nature. We always have something that we're never going to agree on. But Joel lays out his opinions as well as anybody I have seen recently in college football. And he did it with the selection committee this recently because his issue with the selection committee, among many things, is the composition of the committee, which includes 13 members, which is supposed to be a regional smorgasbord with people representing each region. The problem is, in the last couple of years, teams like Oklahoma and Ohio State, and this year Oregon, teams from around the Midwest and western parts of the country have had their membership recused because of the teams that they are affiliated with have been in the conversation in key portions of the college football ranking and slash voting system. So when you have these recusals, it puts more pressure on the remaining members that might have biases from certain parts of the country to give a biased result. And we, we saw that last year, Oklahoma and Ohio State get recused. And by the way, what happened, Georgia actually finished ahead of Ohio State in the final ranking last year. I don't think that's an accident. He said in this case, this year, you could see after the recusals, 60% of the voting members be from the southeastern portion of the country. That's unacceptable. This is another reason why I know Joel doesn't share this view, but I do want to see an 18 playoff with the five automatic bids because that takes away parts of the bias through the system. If you win your conference, you don't have to worry about committee bias. 
Sure, there will be a couple of at-large spots available for the committee to decide, but at least in that case, you've had a chance. It lessens the impact on the bias in the remaining portion of the system and the process. So either way, whether you want eight teams or whether you want to stick with four teams, I think we can all agree the system needs adjusted. The system needs fixed. I don't know if it's totally broken, but it is in need of repair. And I think (laughs) I'm pretty sure I have a good idea without polling each of you individually. I have a good hunch that you're sick of Southern bias. Am I right? I, I know you're raising your hands. I hear you yelling through my headset right now as I'm recording this. You agree that you're sick of the Southern bias, the SEC bias? That has to change. If you are a small body like that, you you cannot have recusals and expect the remaining portion to not have a regional bias. So that has to change. Anyhow, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, catch me on Twitter at KYLAMA. Check, catch the show on Twitter at Locked on Buckeye Singular. We're on all of your pa- favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., etc. Uh, if you are interested in advertising with Locked on Buckeyes, if you're a growing business, please grow it with us. We have terrific rates, targeted demographic, Email me at LockedOnBuckeyes at gmail.com for more information, and we can get you started as an advertiser on Locked on Buckeyes. That'll do it for me. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Ohio State Rutgers. I know, not a very exciting preview, but I'll do my best to give some thoughts on that. Have a great day, everybody. Catch you later.